Good morning. morning. How you doing? Isn't it a great service so far? I don't know, at least for me, I can't sing out loud. I wasn't uh, trying to break rules or anything, but uh, as I was reflecting on them as they were sung over us, uh, every word just seemed to be uh, perfectly fitting for me today, and I think we can worship whether we're opening our mouth and singing along or not, and so uh, it's, it's good to be here. We're here for the start of Starting Lines, this new series for the rest of January, and uh, just a little bit about that, you're going to hear from a few different pastors on staff uh, this week, and you'll hear from me again at the end of the month. I'm looking forward to that as well. Where did it come from? Well, just before Christmas, we knew this was going to be a month where uh, Pastor Tim was going to be on vacation, and so we were trying to figure out how do we work a series together that we can all speak from and um, have passages that, that are kind of woven together, uh, hopefully, you know. And, and so I had this idea for the passage today, but I didn't really have the, the term starting line there right away. When you think of just lines in general, uh, you're going to see in this passage Jesus drawing in the, in the dust or, or in the sand. And so initially it was kind of like, well, isn't it a negative when someone draws a line in the sand, right? Um, we looked at uh, different things that lines do. Lines obviously divide. Sometimes you put pros on one side, cons on the other, and, and the list goes on. Or, or perhaps there's other types of lines you can think about. You can walk the line, all the things that you just saw in the, that short video. Um, but eventually, when someone mentioned the word starting line or the term starting line, it was like, yeah, that's, that's it. It still feels fresh. It still feels like a, a, a new or fresh start. Um, yet it kind of sums things up in a very positive way because your starting line could be where you are today. You don't have to wait for a starting line. You can actually have that right now. So what if you could have a fresh start? What would that look like? If you need one today, what if you could have a fresh start? That'll be the question for today. We're going to look at John chapter 8, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. We're going to read it together. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and wrote in the dust. When his accusers heard this, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for this gathering. And thanks for the team that just led us in in worship. And even in a time where it is... Uh, sometimes difficult or frustrating because we can't all sing along together. We thank you for those online being able to do that, but even for the words and I think the reminders that are coming up, uh, especially for me as we're about to look into your word right now, 
God remind us of what we need to be reminded of or give us something uh, new and, and fresh that we need to hear maybe for the first time today. And so God, we just open ourselves up that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, to each heart individually this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking into this uh, passage, but I have to ask, uh, it's not just what if you could have a, a fresh start, but what does a fresh start mean? So in this room and online, how many people here have played hockey before? Ice hockey, that is. Okay, how many people have watched hockey either at a rink or, okay, right? And on, on TV, hopefully that, cover, you know, you have your Canadian passport here, right? Uh, you're good to go. Uh, so the Zamboni is one of the best kind of symbols of a fresh start. Am I right? You guys with me? You, you awake? The Zamboni is one of the best parts of a fresh start because, I don't know, I, I was a goalie and so the crease, you, you kind of had to get it scuffed up a little bit, but there, there's snow everywhere, like basically all the extra ice that you, you scuff up from stopping and, and, and maybe occasionally to, to try to get one of your friends uh, just a, a complete whiteout, right? A blizzard of your fury. But uh, the Zamboni comes and what happens? There's, there's, a, there's a clean slate. It's ready for the next period or for the next group to come in or whatever. The Zamboni is one of the best fresh starts I can think of. I think any time could be a fresh start. January 1 certainly could be a fresh start. Uh, any day could be, any month, any season, any change in, in job or, or any life change at all could be that. For me, even a decade has been treated as that before. When I was about to turn 30, I, I realized I didn't want to have all the same habits as I did in my 20s. I wanted some, some sort of a fresh start. I actually had 30 things that I was looking at doing when I turned 30, um, either trying new things or just building uh, some fresh habits. And so, but you don't have to always wait for something like that for that to, to happen. You can actually have uh, a new starting line and a new fresh start at any point. So for this woman, you just heard this passage, and how it ends is Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. To that woman, this is a declaration of freedom. It's a new lease on life. It's a fresh start. Because not only is she forgiven and freed of her sins at that moment, but she was about to die. In her opinion, she just received her life back thanks to Jesus. So this to her was a fresh start, not just that the, the slate was clean, but that she actually could continue breathing. This was a, a stressful situation for her waiting for Jesus' response. These, these religious men, these experts of the law were trying to trap Jesus, and they were leveraging this woman's life uh, in order to try to trap him. And so she hangs in the balance uh, as, as we're waiting to hear what happens. For any new start, doesn't an old thing have to come to an end? before something new can begin? Well, in other words, Jesus at the end is kind of saying, from now on. So you, you were doing it this way, now let's do it this other way, right? So that's a fresh start for her. So let's look at this passage and find out a little bit of the context and what's going on here. It starts by letting us know Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Uh, just before this, we, we had learned in the previous chapter that there was a festival going on for eight days where uh, the people were staying in these shelters. It's called the Festival of Shelters or the Festival of, of ta uh, Tabernacles where people are remembering God bringing them out of Egypt or bringing their forefathers out of Egypt. And so perhaps he was returning to where he was staying all along that week. 
and the first day and the last day were days of rest, complete rest, no normal work. But in verse 2 it says, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. And so what was he doing there? Well, he was, he was sort of working, wasn't he? He was a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And so this is something that he had done many times. And you could picture it sort of like this, but it wouldn't have really been like this because uh, oftentimes uh, in this context, rabbis, teachers, they would sit down and teach at length. And so you guys ready to be here for a while? You want to be here all day? I could sit down. I could get a a seat and and we could do that. But in this case, it might not have just been right in front of him. It might have been at least a semicircle, if not almost a circle around him as, as he taught. And as he was speaking, these teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Now, we're not sure if they stumbled across her or they set this up somehow, but either way, the point was to try to trap Jesus. And right away, if if you're thinking about it, they do bring the woman but what about the man? I don't know if you're asking that question, but uh, technically, according to their law, what they're about to do in this next kind of section is set the law of Moses against the response of Jesus. And they've done this before, and this is just one of their other tactics. And so they say, teacher, this woman was caught and really caught. Think about that trap. They're trying to uh, also uh, catch him in this. She was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. Well, what do you say? So notice they're already trying to set him up here. He can't go against the law of Moses, you know. And again, it's it's not just their their tradition or their scripture, but it's it's years and years of things baked in. These are the experts. These are these are the people that follow it to the letter of the law. So they're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But what does Jesus do? He's already sitting, apparently, but then he stoops down. So he gets even further, even closer, and he wrote in the dust with his finger. We're not exactly sure what he wrote. I'm, I'm going to give you a theory a little later on. But some people think, I mean, he could have been asking, where is the man? He could have been writing the Ten Commandments. He could have been writing out from Deuteronomy where it's talking about what happens here and thinking about this. He actually, some people think, I think some people hope that he's listing their sins and and thinking about, oh, that's interesting you brought this woman since, you know, I know know everything that you've done, right? Um, We don't know for sure, but in a little bit, I'll share uh, one possible theory on that. But as as he's writing in the dust, they, they keep demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So you see what he did there. He's not going against the law of Moses, but he's actually doing something a little bit different. And and we know and we believe in faith that Jesus, he's actually the only one who has never sinned, the only one that would have the right to make this judgment. And all of a sudden, uh, this is what happens. Then he, he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Only Jesus, right? When his When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. I don't know, that when I heard the song earlier uh, of, of, you know, you being there standing next to me, I, I think that song could be played in the background maybe of this scene. But what's interesting about this is that beginning one by one with the oldest, so the oldest member that is trying to both accuse the woman and trying to trap Jesus they know. 
they probably have a, a long list of, of sins in their past. And, you know, they just had this festival. But think about how many times they would have had to offer sacrifices for their sins. Think about how they would have been reminded of, like, right, maybe I wasn't caught in this exact thing. But I definitely have sinned. I have definitely missed the mark. And so he's drawing attention to that and saying, yeah, if, if that's the case, then you can throw the first stone. But obviously, they have all at least sinned once. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she, she's probably like trembling hard to get these words out, but she just says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I love about this. That's, that's her declaration of freedom, her new lease on life. That's her fresh start that from now on, she's gonna go and not do what she did before because she's been freed by Jesus and now empowered to live with a fresh start. One reminder that I want us to have today is that your past may remind you it doesn't have to define you. This woman could be reminded from time and, and time again. We, we don't know much of her story beyond this moment, but it's, it's easy to say, I have a fresh start, but there's still consequences. There's still um, the, the memory. There's still remnants. There's still people who know about what happened. And, and I'm also not trying to make light of this over any other circumstance. I haven't been in the middle of this, but I know that it can be heartbreaking. I know that it's not uh, the best for us. I know that it hurts more than just two people. And so for the fact that there was a rule in the first place against it is because God always wants something better for us. And so this woman obviously has a chance now to have something better. Maybe she was, or maybe the man was looking for a, a new, a fresh start or, or a starting point, but in the wrong way. And all of a sudden Jesus is giving this new, um, this new opportunity to start with a clean slate. The Zambonis run over that ice, right? There's a, there's a new clean and smooth surface. The thing that these people are trying to do against Jesus, remember, they're, they're putting the law of Moses against the response of Jesus. Well, remember, we're reading from the Gospel of John, and earlier in his Gospel account, in chapter 1, he says something to this effect. In verse 17 of chapter 1, John writes, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Some translations say grace and truth come from Jesus. Not one or the other, but both. So he's not actually trying to go against the truth or, or, or the, the years and, and years of it being baked into uh, their tradition and things like that. He's actually not going against that, but Jesus has the power to also extend grace in a situation where someone doesn't seem to deserve it. And so this is kind of a, a big part of, of today's message of starting lines and, and where things are, are divided is that you'll see that there's division between the sin and the sinner. There's a division between um, rules and relationship and that, that's really in particular for these religious uh, men that they're, they're really caught up with the rules but not as much about the relationship with God himself. And also um, conviction and condemnation and I wanted to look at that just for a moment to clarify, not in today's legal system, but, but maybe in Christian terms, the difference of the two. Starting with condemnation, doesn't that sound so negative and so terrible anyway? 
Condemnation is that, you know, you're, you're already guilty as charged. Like, it's already, it's already settled. And in this case, that woman was condemned, wasn't she? The punishment is, is set. And in, and in her case, punishment was death. There's an accuser or accusers in this case. And it's meant to shame uh, this woman. And it can feel permanent, even in our, our own life, if we feel um, condemnation. All hope is gone. And, and even if there is a glimmer of hope, there's this temptation to try to cover things up because we don't want people to know, because we're ashamed. But conviction, on the other hand, is actually, yes, there's something wrong, but there's actually a focus on reconciliation or making uh, right the wrong. There's still hope. Some people consider it almost like a, a signal, a warning sign to lead us away from danger, either right before it happens, while we're in the middle of it, or hopefully at least after that God is sharing, no, I have something better for you, and I want what's best for you, and so come back to me, the Holy Spirit pointing us back to Jesus and the gospel truth that he wants to reconcile himself to us. So that's the difference between that condemnation and conviction. It's a great reminder for us if we're ever feeling one or the other, we can, we can quickly, in a good way, make a negative divide of like, no, 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 condemnation, that, that's not something that's from God, that's from the accuser, that's from the enemy. But something like conviction is something where the Holy Spirit is trying to share, yeah, there's something wrong, here's a signal, here's a wake-up call that I'm trying to set you back on the right track. Is that good? There's something better for you. What's awesome about this passage is that they're, they're trying to actually trap Jesus. They, they caught this woman. They, they've used this woman in this case, but really Jesus has rescued the woman from this trap. It's a great reminder that she wasn't just freed from sin, but she was freed from death because that was the ultimate end of this whole thing if it wasn't for Jesus intervening in the way. She got her life back because of Jesus. Oh, it's so good. We're in chapter 8, but the previous chapter shares about that festival that I talked about. And on the last day of the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then in parentheses, the author writes, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Him. But the Spirit had not yet come, had yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered His glory. But that living water, there's something about that. He's asking, are, are people thirsty? And, and in today's context, in today's message, it's like, do you want a fresh start? But here it's, are you thirsty? Come to me. He's, he's got something. Where did that whole idea come from. If you backed up a little bit more to chapter 4 and you encounter the woman at the well, and Jesus also offers to this woman, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water. You'd never thirst again. He's talking more, uh, not just about literal water, but there's this thirst that needs to be quenched that only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can quench. But where did that term come from? And why, why is it connecting? Why am I bringing this up? Well, funny you should ask. We're wondering, what did Jesus write in the dust? Or why was he writing in the dust? Well, here, here's one thought. We're going to jump back to Jeremiah. And we're jumping back, and um, I know that I only look 20, but uh, 20 years ago, when I was in a, 
uh, a Bible school class on the book of Jeremiah, which is actually a massive book, and there's so much in there. I'm learning new things about it now, 20 years later. Uh, I was taken back to this passage and to this class, and um, chapter 17, verse 13, we'll actually read from the, from the NIV for this one, but this, this is um, actually in chapter 2 is the first time that we hear living water, but, but listen to how this may connect to this passage or to these experts of religious law who would have known that text inside and out. Maybe it's less about what exactly is written and more about um, how this is being portrayed. It's kind of an illustration that they should have a wake-up call to. They brought this woman in, um, they're trying to have her forsaken, but actually they're finding out that they're the ones that have chosen to be forsaken. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. That, that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But in, in the context here, we're talking about the God that rescued them from Egypt, the God that brought them out there, that helped them survive in the wilderness, as we just talked about during our prayer time, um, for them to reject uh, the spring of living water. In the middle of a desert, what is the one thing you need? Water. Not just food, but you, you, you can't live long without water. Uh, I love this, and I want to read. This won't be on the screen, so you'll listen closely for this roughly paragraph worth of a quote from that old textbook I, you know, I had from 20 years ago. I thought this was timely for us today. The author is Philip Graham Riken, and he writes, Leaving the oasis to wander out in the desert brings death. Where there is no water, there is no survival. In the same way, There is no spiritual life without the living water of God's grace. God had already warned his people about this in chapter 2. My people have forsaken me the spring of living water. And that's the first time that ever occurs as a phrase in scripture. But some people would rather die of thirst than turn to God. Like names written in the dust, they will vanish without a trace. There is no water and no life apart from the Lord. What I want us to see with this is, does it matter that we know what Jesus wrote in the dust or not? I, I don't think so. I think it's fun to, to, to see maybe that connection. And maybe that's one of the reasons they started to walk away one by one, realizing that he had actually turned it around on them as a wake-up call of, like, you, you know this scripture. You have to understand this is about you. you. You're trying to see this woman put to shame. But actually, no, it's quite the opposite. What I want us to see in this whole context is that Jesus is an oasis in the desert. Maybe you haven't been to a literal desert before, um, but imagine being completely dry. All you want is a drink. And is that a mirage in the distance? No, it's Jesus. Jesus is an oasis in the desert. So when he's talking about being or containing or being the fountain of or the spring of living water, he means it. And obviously that the Holy Spirit would, um, would come, and not just that, but would want to indwell in us, and that we would never be thirsty again, filling a void that only he could contain for us. One of the um, things that the Lord had, had against the people that he was sharing with Jeremiah was, was that they had not just left this spring or this fountain of living water, but the second part is that they basically had containers that had holes in them to try to collect other water. 
And it was kind of this metaphor of like, you're not even, you don't even have the right container. So not only have you rejected me in this living water, um, but also in this literal way, you have cracks in it. And so what Jesus is trying to say here is that like, no, anyone who believes in me, I'm going to give you this as a free gift, that living water. So in our passage, as the men tried to leverage this woman, they caught her. And they were trying to also catch Jesus in a trap. But speaking of the desert, the other meaning of the word, they kind of deserted her and the whole situation in this. And they they literally deserted Jesus in this situation. They had forsaken the spring of living water, trying to trap him in this, not understanding the full context. And so what does this mean for us? Well, I asked before, what if you could have a fresh start today? At any moment, you could have a starting line. Maybe it is the first time you cross what we call crossing the line of faith, the first time you put your trust in Jesus. If, if that is today, awesome, let's, let's do that today. Maybe there's something else that's come to mind. Maybe it's not as severe as, as what this woman was going through, but maybe there's something that needs to be dealt with right now. You don't have to wait for another day or another milestone, uh, another month or another year or decade. You don't have to wait for any of that. You could have that fresh start right now. Let's get the Zamboni out. But I do want to pray for you because it is a serious thing to be up against uh, a fresh start. You can feel like, no, I'm actually, I feel closer to a finish line and not in a good way than the, the starting line. So we want to pray. We want to take time to worship together here in the next few moments. And, and after, we'll have a time to pray together. But, but what is it, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to us right now? What is it from this passage? What is it about the living water? What is it about thirst that is, is connected to this? Are you in a desert right now? Well, then you need living water. Father, I thank you so much for, for today, for this passage. I thank you for... Um, connecting these dots for us. I thank you for our our team that's been leading us in in worship. And as uh, we just get ready to reflect on the words of this next song, um, would we be mindful of of how you're speaking to us? Would we tune our hearts, our our minds, our, our ears to hear your voice? Would we hear of that free gift? Would we understand what it would be like to have a fresh start even today? So, Father, I pray for anyone in this room or online that needs that fresh start right now, whether it is getting to know you for the first time, feeling like the weight of of sin, the weight of shame is gone because you have forgiven us, Uh, whether it is feeling like you've crossed from from death into new life, Uh, whatever it is, whatever starting point someone needs uh, today, would you work in this time? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.